I'm sorry, I, I don't remember to tell you to stand and to see, sit so well here. Let us turn in God's Word to Joshua chapter 2. As we do come upon the Christmas season, we are reminded, and I know it's a little bit before Thanksgiving, so don't shoot me. <laughs> We're not to what I plan on using as my Christmas series yet, but as we think about that fact, we are looking in Manitowoc at the book of Joshua. And of course, Joshua is actually the Hebrew name that Jesus had. We, we think of it as Jesus, but in Hebrew, his name would be Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, Shuvah. And so, as we look at Joshua bringing the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, into the promised land, it focuses us forward as well on Christ bringing us into the promised land of eternal life, saved by the awesome grace of God. And as we look at that fact, another thing that comes to mind as we think about the coming of Christ is we're going to look at Rahab this morning. And Rahab is an ancestor of Christ, used by God in that manner. And so as we read even these first couple of verses, I want you to be thinking about from where God saved Rahab. Because I think we forget that fact. And to what then God saved her? To be an ancestor of on this earth of the Savior. So let us read together Joshua chapter 2. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them, at, pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will de deal kindly with my Father's house. 
and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if the hand... If a hand is laid on anyone who is with you on the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to the oath that you have made us swear. And she said, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills, and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Thus far, the reading of God's word may he add his blessing to our consideration of it this morning. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we look at this passage, we look at Rahab. This passage really is a passage as much about Rahab as it is about the spying out of the land. She deals very centrally in all of the things that are going on here. And as we look at this passage, we see God's care for these Israelite spies as they are brought to this one person, to Rahab. If they had perhaps been brought anywhere else, they would have been given up right away in that third verse when the king of Jericho sends to find out who is this who has come. So as we think about this, we also have to realize how tightly shut up the city of Jericho would have been. If we read about what had happened as the Israelites were coming, they knew very much of this great group of people who had been brought out of Egypt. We see that as Rahab rehearses to them the fear, the power which God had given to the Israelites to win over Sihon and Og. The crossing of the Red Sea was, even though it was 40 years ago, still very much in the minds of the people. And so there was great fear among those in Jericho. And when someone from outside came in, 
They were very, very concerned about that fact. And so as we look at Rahab, as we look at the spies, we see as well God's promise fulfilled for the Israelites that they were to be brought into the land of Canaan. And as we ourselves consider our own lives, God will bring us into the promised land. Does it always seem safe to these spies as they go about their business? Is it easy? Sadly, so easily we have this idea that God's going to put out this big road in front of us. Well, what did Jesus say about roads? He said, narrow is the way, crooked is the path. That God brings us into eternal life through hardship, through difficulties. And that God is, the Apostle James says, fitting us for heaven through that fact. Now, the New Testament reflects on Rahab. Hebrews 11, verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. James also says, James 2.25, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? What we learn as we look at this passage, is that Rahab, the passage is descriptive, not prescriptive. There are a number of problems that Rahab creates by lying. God doesn't then say, well, it's okay to lie when it gets dangerous. But what we see here is that God uses the fear that he had brought about in the nations even to convert hearts. And we see Rahab's confession of faith here in these verses as well. That God is the God of heavens above, verse 11, and on the earth beneath. Her trust is in the Lord. Not in her own people. Not in the earthly ramparts of Jericho. The power, perhaps, that they might have. But that she was already trusting in the Lord of the universe. And so as we look at this passage of God's word, the theme that we want to see is Rahab's life is saved by trusting in the God of Israel, protecting the spies from her earthly king. Rahab's life is saved by trusting in the God of Israel, which results in her protecting Israel's spies from her earthly king. In verses 1 through 11, we see that Rahab's fear drives her to trust in Israel's God. And in verses 12 through 24, we see that the spies return to Joshua, having promised Rahab's safety. So first of all, Rahab's fear drives her to put her trust in Israel's God. Joshua sends spies to the guard post. We have to understand that Jericho is not just some lavish city of what we think of as the promised land of Canaan. Jericho is the key to entering the land. It is the fortification that keeps other people out. And that gives us a couple of things to understand as well about Rahab. She was not just 
any prostitute, as the passage says. She was sitting there in a military outpost. She was very much a prostitute. And we see Jericho, the power of Jericho, and yet what do we see? As she says, their hearts all melted. And as they arrive at Jericho, they arrive at Rahab. As we said, they could have arrived anywhere. But God directs their paths. God directs their way. They leave from the Acacia Grove, from Shittim, and they come into Jericho, and God directs them, their pathways, to the person of His choice. And of course, God has the whole of history in mind in doing this. Yes, their lives are in God's hands. And God is, as we understand, working all things together for the good of His people and to the glory of His name. And so, they're there. They come in, and the king hears about it. And the king of Jericho had found out two major things. The spies of Israel had come into the territory, and that they had come to Rahab in particular. And so the king sends to them to her and says, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country. He understands what's going on. But of course, also understand that in rebellion against God, most of the people of Jericho stood to fight against God, not to realize that this was the God of the universe and that their earthly powers, even their strong walls, had no help for them. So easily we rely in military might and power and things like that. Those are nothing when standing against the power of God. And so the king sends to Rahab. He says, bring out these men. And Rahab responds with a lie. Now there are those who take this and say then, okay, it's okay to lie in military situations. What does the commandment that we just read say? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now is this false witness against her neighbor? Yes. Do we expect someone who is turning in fear from the destruction coming to her people is going to know the right response to the situation? Do we expect young Christians to get it all right? Duh, right? By the way, very important note there, is young Christians need to be mentored in the faith, to be discipled. We need to be going about those things with the young believers. Not just to say, okay, well, you made a decision for Jesus, that's the end of the matter. Not that I'm a believer in decision theology, but understand that. That too often that's how we treat people. And people who have just come to the faith need someone to walk with them, to help them to learn how to live in a Christian manner. And so she lies to her king, She says, the men had already left, were already out the gate. And she acts like she's on 
her king's side. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. She plays as though she is sympathetic to her people. But of course we know, we're told, that she had hidden them on the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax. And so at her word, the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords of the Jordan, and they shut the gate when they had come out after them. So everything was locked in the city. And Rahab goes up to talk to the men on the roof. We're told before the men lay down, that seems to be they were going to go to sleep and stay up there over the night. She tells them, of the fear that has come upon her people. And she says she knows that the Lord has given Israel the land. And she wasn't playing at that knowledge. She lives based on that fact. She makes important and even dangerous life choices based on this fact. How many of us as Christians struggle to live based on the fact of God's sovereign control over the history? And yet here's this woman in fear, driven to live based on God's sovereign control. And she notes and she says she's seen God's power is unmatched. Going back to when the Israelites 40 years ago crossed the Red Sea, What God had done for them, overcoming Sihon and Og, kings of the Amorites. And this brought about fear within her. But God can use fear. I think too often we we don't think about that. It causes people to confront their weakness in God's power. It can be used by God to turn people to Himself. They knew that God had dried up the Red Sea, even though it had been 40 plus years since it had happened. She knew about the destruction of the Amorites' kings. And fear lasts long in people's minds. We live in such a culture of fear. You ever notice that? That we as a culture, especially after the mask has been taken off a little bit with, with COVID and things like that, Fear just runs people's lives. And the beauty of what we have in Jesus Christ in the grace of God to sinners is we don't have to live in fear. We can live in confidence, not just for this life, but eternally. We know what's going to happen, not just here on this earth for our 60, 70, 80, 100 years that God gives us here, which, by the way, is a snap of our fingers compared to the eternity of, of eternal life. But brothers and sisters, we have the Word of God telling us what eternity is going to look like. And that we can live in confidence with regard to that. But look around you at the world for a second and think about How many people just exhibit fear in every aspect of themselves and realize what a great gift that is that God has given to us that he has told us and not only has he told us, we know the the God who's controlling it. 
that he's caring for us and that the God who provides for us each and every day upon this earth is providing for us eternally and he tells us that the streets are paved with gold I know I had a realization maybe I'm a little slow but what do we complain about on this earth we complain about money I don't have enough money I don't have enough time I don't have enough sleep right what does God tell us about heaven the streets are paved with the best money we got gold right how much time do we have forever and do we need to sleep in heaven I just it, it just gives me shivers to think about what God has provided for us the things that we complain about most on this earth God has fully provided for us in heaven and not only that the perfection of goodness that I'm never going to have to struggle with sin again hallelujah let me tell you and so as we see her looking at the power of God and the fear that that brings about she then confesses the Lord the Lord he is God he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath this is a confession that her gods the gods of Jericho and Canaan weren't gods at all she's making a profession of faith now she doesn't understand all of that and that that entails at this point but her faith causes her to live differently that's what James says as we read earlier that her faith is shown by her works and so Rahab had rejected her own gods her own way of life and put her trust, her faith, and her life living on that fact in the God of Israel, in the God of the Bible. And brothers and sisters, this is what we must do every day as Christians. Now God gives us that grace. This is not something we produce in ourselves. But we have to understand, as we look at this world, we do not have to live in the fear of this world, in the fear of man. We can live in the confidence that God who has spoken to us in his word is the God who saves us miserable sinners. And so then as we turn in our second point, we look at the spies return to Joshua having promised Rahab's safety. Again, notice the centrality of Rahab in this. The spies are hiding on her roof. And some argue about how much fear there would have been there. And I think there would have been plenty. But notice God's protection, God's provision. And so Rahab seeks protection as well for her family. She says, because I've protected you, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And she says, I want you to swear to take care of me because I have taken care of your lives, protected them. And she points to her family. 
to her father's house, to her father, mother, brothers, and sisters, and all that they have. There's an awful lot of people who will throw their parents, their kids under the bus. But she has a loyalty to her family, to her, to her loved ones. And so as she calls upon Israel's spies, notice the effects of the gospel. The gospel doesn't just come to her. Think of the New Testament times in which there are whole household baptisms. Go back to Abraham, who was circumcised at the time Abraham was circumcised. Just Abraham? No, it was all of his servants. The gospel goes out not just to one person, but to all of those in her family. And the men answered her graciously, we're told. Our lives for your lives. And she, notice what they further on say. They put requirements on her. Don't tell this business of ours. Keep quiet about this. When the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and truly with you. We're not going to break our word even in the heat of battle. Now, if we've learned anything from the history of war, these sorts of promises are often not kept, right? Well, they swore by themselves before God. God's people should keep promises within war, even in the midst of the heat of battle. And so the men said, Our lives are your, for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And so then, upon this, Rahab advises the spies for their protection. Rahab makes good on her promises to protect them by letting them down from the window of her house outside the city wall. The gates, were, as we've noticed, were shut previously. And it makes it even more difficult for the king's men to figure out what had happened. And she directs them to go the opposite direction and escape. Go to the mountain away from the Jordan and be away from the pursuers. Hide there three days. Do you want to be in enemy territory for three extra days or do you want to get out quick, right? Well, God uses earthly understanding and she has an understanding of what had happened. She lived in this military outpost in Jericho, so she knew what happened when people came. And so she had an earthly understanding of the situation, and having pledged her allegiance to God, she then very much goes to bat with what she knows for the purpose of God's spies. Go away. and then come back after three days. She knew how long it would take the pursuers to give up on finding the spies. If you think about Elijah and Elisha, when Elijah goes to, um, to ascend into heaven, they make this trip in a day, less than. It's enough time for Elisha to come back after Elijah goes in the chariot of fire. So it's not a long distance, but they take three days to search. And then they remind her, in fact, they say, you need to put the scarlet cord in the window with which you have let me down, or let us down. And if someone's outside of the house, 
if someone tells about the situation, their blood is on their own heads. But otherwise, notice, their blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And she agrees to the terms and sends them away. And how long does it take her to bind the scarlet cord in the window? Right now. She's not letting a moment go. As we know, Israel's going to cross the Jordan. There's weeks in between here. Israel then um, performs the, um, the, the sign of circumcision. They go on to celebrate the Passover, sit in between Jericho and Jordan. This is a long period of time here that she's sitting with this cord in the window. Now, perhaps it didn't mean much to anyone else, but to her it was her point and her connection to Israel, saying, my allegiance is no longer to the gods of Jericho. And so the spies follow her directions. God uses her to direct them how to safely return to Israel and to Joshua. And they went up to the mountain. They stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. And they returned with the information they had gathered to Joshua. And probably especially the information they had gathered from Rahab. What had they learned from her? The people of the world of the land of Canaan were in dread, in fear. And that God's power, what God had done, had caused them to to understand who really had won the victory. Who won the victory for Israel? Their power, their swords? Who brought them into the land of Canaan? Of course it wasn't their power, was it? Who brings us into the eternal promised land? Are we so good? Do we keep them Ten Commandments perfectly? Get us into heaven? Of course we know we don't. And yet how many times do we try to bargain with God and say, God, I'm good enough. got to be nice to me. I was good today. We all do it. And of course that doesn't get us anything. But as we look at Rahab, what happens now? She becomes a part of Israel. She's enfolded into Israel. As we said, she becomes an ancestor of David and of the coming of the Christ, who will truly bring us into the new heavens and the new earth, the the final promised land. So what does that tell us about Rahab? She repented of her prostitution. She became someone's wife. And God used her to live as a part of Israel and as we said, to bring about, to be an ancestor of the coming of the Savior. And so as we look at Rahab, we see the grace of God. We see God's sovereignty over world events. 
And if we think that someone can't be saved, or if we think perhaps I can't be saved because I'm such a rotten sinner, look at what God does with Rahab. Not only does he take her from prostitution, he brings her in to be a part of the line of the Savior. That God can take us from wherever we are and can take those who need Christ from wherever they are. And that God can use them to bring his gospel to the world that is so in need. And so as we look at this passage, I look at the wondrous grace of our God through fear bringing to a woman who was a prostitute, bringing her to see her need of gods different than the gods of Canaan and the false lies that God brings her to Christ and that God through her brings as well the spies' safety brings them the message of the fear of the land and that God sends them back with that message to Joshua who was used by God to bring Israel into the promised land and look who God uses as pastors elders deacons individuals and churches God doesn't use perfect people Praise the Lord. He uses sinners, failures, to bring his gospel to the world. And one of the things that I, just to to conclude, one of the things that I am so convinced as a pastor is the world sees the church as those who think they're better than others. And if we we're open and honest about our sins and about our failures to the world to say, no, I'm not perfect. In fact, I fail every day, all the time. The world might get a different picture, that we're sinners saved by grace, by the undeserved favor of our God. And that would bring open doors in a world that often looks at the church and says, you guys just think you're better than we are. And that God does use those who have miserably failed. And don't think I'm looking at anyone in particular. (laughs) Pointing fingers at myself. But God uses them for his glory to extend his church to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let us then bow our heads in our hearts before God's throne of grace in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, heavenly Father, we confess our sins, our failures, our problems. And Lord, we thank you that you save us not because we're good enough, You use us not because we have any perfect history. You use us because you are almighty God 
you are a gracious God. And that you save sinners and use sinners to glorify your name. We thank you for Rahab. We look forward to seeing her in the new heavens and the new earth. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be those who don't hide our sins and our failures, but those who call to unbelievers and even believers with the truth of the God who forgives sins.